couple seconds to open your Bibles. And I'll be reading today uh, Luke chapter 24, uh, verses 13 to 35. And it says, <clears throat> That day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all the things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them named Cleopas, answered, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened here, there in these days? And he said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who is a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to the... Um, to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one, who to, the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he said to them, O oh, foolish ones, and slow to hear, to, of, sorry, and slow of, of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he, as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the, sorry, when he was at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them, and their eyes were opened. And they recognized him, and he vanished in front of their sight. They said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven, and those who were with them gathered together, saying, The Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. And this is the word of the Lord. 
Now? Better. Let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, this is, this is your word. You gave it for our edification. You gave it for our correction. You gave it for our training in righteousness. You gave it so that we can understand the way of salvation, which is through faith in Jesus Christ. By your spirit, make your word do all these things for us by faith. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. If you have the opportunity to travel on a time machine to a biblical event of your choice, which event would you choose? Kids, what event would you choose? The resurrection? Maybe David and Goliath? That's a pretty awesome event. What do you think of, about being at the moment of creation? It's like, fuck. Amazing, the stars, the sun, the moon, you know, the tree, everything there. Yeah. How many would like to see Noah's Ark floating on the waters with all the animals inside? Stinky, yes, but amazing. Imagine witnessing the birth of Jesus. Imagine all the angels singing and lining up the sky or Jesus healing the ten lepers, or resurrecting Lazarus, or perhaps, as Annelise was saying, the moment of his resurrection. That will be incredible indeed. But if I could travel, time travel, I would choose to be on the road to Emmaus walking with these two disciples and listening to Jesus explain how the whole Bible is about him. Every passage of the Old Testament, this is about me, this is about me, and this is about me, would be amazing, eh? This story is one of the most beautiful stories that we have in the New Testament. And the start in verse 13, when it says, That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus. That very day, if you read the first 12 verses of chapter 24, means the first Easter. Means the first day of resurrection. And we do not know why Jesus kept his identity a secret. But the narrative says that their eyes could not recognize him. There was no instant acceptance of the reality that Jesus was walking among them. And maybe this story is part of the scriptures to help us to understand that believing in Jesus is actually a journey and not that once in a lifetime event. 
<clears throat> I'm sorry. Many people think that if they see Jesus, then they will believe in Jesus. Or if they had lived in the times of Jesus, they would have followed Jesus as well. But it is not a physical sight of Jesus that brings assurance of who Jesus is. I have asked the Lord many times, why don't you reveal yourself to me as you did it with the Apostle Paul? Can you imagine that? A shining light, and then a thundering voice saying from up in the sky, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Wouldn't that be easier to believe? But most of our encounters are like the encounter of these two disciples of Jesus on the road in the everyday things of life. The disciples did not recognize him. Jesus walked beside them and asked them, what is this conversation in verse 17? What is this conversation you are holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking, looking sad. I think I'm going to change. And they stood still, looking sad. Some commentators believe that this was the reason why they couldn't not recognize Jesus. Their eyes were looking down, looking upon the ground as they walked with a posture of melancholy and sadness. They couldn't lift up their eyes to see the one who was asking them this question. And then in verse 18, if you read it with me, it says, Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that had happened there in these days? And I found a little bit of humor in this, in this question because, of course, Jesus knew the things that they were talking about better than anyone. If they had asked Jesus what had happened in Jerusalem, Jesus would have told them everything. Don't you think? After all, it had happened to him. He could have told them what it was like to be mocked, tortured, and nailed on a cross. Jesus was the only person who really did know what had happened in Jerusalem. But instead of acting like a know-it-all person, Jesus helped these disciples 
to understand that they didn't need to see him with their natural eyes to believe who he was. Jesus was willing to travel with these two disciples on the road of sadness, confusion, and disappointment. He was willing to listen to their doubts, to their incredulity. David Good in a Bible professor says, Jesus will show us the same kindness. He will overtake us along the road of life, falling in stride with our sorrow and confusion. And then Jesus will ask what we know about him, hoping that we will listen to the gospel and see him as our savior. The gospel. There are two gospels in this passage that we just read. One is the gospel according to Cleopas. And the other is the gospel according to the scriptures, according to the Old Testament. So let us begin with the gospel according to Cleopas. As we read there, Cleopas includes in his gospel almost all the basic elements of a true gospel. Yet something, something is missing. According to Cleopas, Jesus was a man, real flesh and blood, and he was a mighty prophet. He talks about Jesus' ministry, miracles, and teachings. Then Cleopas' gospels move to the tragic death of Jesus holding responsible for the crucifixion, not just the Romans, but also the chief priests and the rulers of Israel. But here is where we start to see that something is missing. They are broken and disheartened because all their hopes and expectations have vanished. Look at verse 21. In verse 21, we read, But we had hope. This is the gospel according to Cleopas. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. These two disciples expected a redeemer, a deliverer from the Roman Empire, not someone dying on a cross. The resurrection was not in their set of beliefs. And this is how the Gospel of Cleopas concludes. In the last verses, verse 24 concludes, Yes, and some woman went early and found an empty tomb. And then some angel said something about a missing body. And then some disciples ran to the grave. But, this is the conclusion, but him they did not see the end. 
But the gospel cannot conclude in this way because gospel means good news. And as you see, these two disciples are sad, are brokenhearted, and they cannot put together these two things of the gospel. Because a gospel without resurrection is not just an incomplete gospel. It is not a gospel, a gospel at all. And that's, and that's why they were so sad. But now, let's go and see the gospel according to the Old Testament. If we go to verse 25, Jesus, that they didn't know that was Jesus, said to them, O oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophet has spoken. Here the word foolish used by Jesus is the contemporary English word clueless. They may have read all the Old Testament, the law and the prophet, but they were clueless about the Messiah's suffering and the resurrection. They did what in education is called a selective reading. They focused only on one side of the story. The messianic prophecies which foretold a glorious, victorious, and a powerful Messiah. They took the promises that appealed to them and ignored those who presented the Messiah on the path of suffering and death. But, but Jesus told them on the road to Emmaus in verse 26, if you read it there with me. Was it not necessary that the Christ, look what Jesus is saying there, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And I was, I was, I was pointing all the, the sermon preparation, I was pointing finger to these two disciples. Because these disciples are unbelievable, eh? Having Jesus, talking with Jesus, they cannot see Jesus. But I am, I am like these disciples. I am like these two disciples. And I am happy that the other name of the other disciple is not there because probably will be Marvin. <laughs> I like to hear about the great promises of God for me. His care for me. His blessings for me. I like the idea of grace, love, and positive thinking about life and circumstances. And who doesn't like that part of the gospel. But have you noticed that in our days, it's more acceptable to talk about the victorious Jesus 
then about the suffering Messiah who had to be sacrificed to forgive our sins. Who doesn't like these famous verses that we have in Romans chapter 8 and verse and verse 35? Who shall separate us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or famine or nakedness or dangers or sore? No, in all these things we are more than conquerors. It's very beautiful, these verses. Through him who loves us. It's beautiful to, under, to know, the, to, 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 to talk about the love of God. So that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, present nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, or death, depths, nor everything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's beautiful, these verses. But we tend to omit verse 34 in the same chapter that says, who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. You see, the complete gospel. Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. The gospel of the Old Testament prophesied a Messiah who first had to suffer and then to reign victorious, seated at the right hand of God the Father. It did interceding then and now for all of us. But all start on the cross, on the sacrifice, on the suffering servant. That's the complete message of the gospel that is presented through the whole scriptures. So Jesus meets these two disciples on the road to Emmaus, but his friends recognize him just for a moment before he disappeared from their sight. Ah, like they just see, they just saw Jesus and then he disappears. Yes. But you see, it was, it was an ordinary moment of life. Walking on the road, expounding the scriptures about him, and having supper with them when their eyes were open. In the ordinary things of life, in the ordinary moments of life dear friends to know Jesus and understand the gospel in all the scriptures is 
a journey. And the good news is that you and I have the same word that Jesus used with his disciples on the road of Emmaus. You see, that's why he disappeared, because this story wants to give us that hope to you and to me that we can, through the scriptures, see Jesus. At the end of this passage, we notice the change in his disciples. You see, in verse 32 says that their hearts were now burning, burning inside of them. Did not our heart burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? see and not just that verse 33 and they rose the same hour and returned to jerusalem do you notice the change before that they were saying to, to jesus come it's too late it's too dangerous and it's too dark <laughs> after they saw jesus he's like nope we need to go Maybe someone tell, no, 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 it's too late, it's too dark, and it's too dangerous. But they were saying, no, we need to go back, we need to tell the others. We saw Jesus. We saw Jesus. And that is the evidence of the ones who have found Jesus on the scriptures. Their eyes are being opened on the road. Their hearts are burning with the scriptures pointing to Jesus on the road. Their lives are changing on the road. And their mouths are open to tell others about the risen Lord. on the road let me close with one of the beautiful passages of the Old Testament that talks about what was happening here in this passage if you go with me well probably you are going to find the, the scripture there on your screens because I'm using the New King James Version yes I'm using the old King James, the new version. Um, and if we read there, look at, look at this passage, starting in verse 2. It's so beautiful. After two days, look what it says. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may live in his sight. 
probably you and I we're not going to see Jesus with these eyes. But the most important is that we are on the road and he is the one who is seeing us. And then verse 3 is the encouragement for all of us. Let us know. Let us pursue the knowledge of the Lord. His going forth is established as the morning. Do you see the resurrection there? Do you see the invitation that this passage in the Old Testament is pointing to Jesus? And close this verse 3. He will come to us like the rain, like the later and former rain to the earth. The invitation for all of us is to continue on the road that the Lord has put in front of all of us, making sure that we are taking these, the scriptures, as our road map, because these is what point us to Jesus. And one day, reading one passage, we're going to start to see our hearts burning our eyes open and our mouths exploding, telling others about the resurrected Jesus. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. And thank you for joining us in our journey. And thank you for your word that is available for all of us as was available for these two disciples on the road of Emmaus. We pray, Lord, that our hearts will burn inside of us as we see you through the scriptures that that fire will move us to take action and to live and to live our lives telling others about you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen.